Hello, everyone, and inside today's Locked On Canadians, we have more NHL playoff insanity. We are going to not galaxy brain the Montreal Canadiens offseason before we absolutely galaxy brain the Canadiens offseason inside today's show. For Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 620 of Lockdown Canadians. And today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla. I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And we both want to thank you for making us your first listen or first watch of the day. We are obviously free and available wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube if you are the visual type like some of us. Laura, it is a long weekend in Canada and the NHL playoffs have decided to treat said long weekend uh, by being as insane as possible. How are we feeling uh, going into Monday now? Well, I know our friends at the Scorch Stack will not love this, but I'm very glad that Edmonton tied the series because as we've expressed multiple <laughs> times, we want seven games of the Battle of Alberta. Uh, and so that was, you know, the thing like Connor McDavid has just been carrying the Oilers on his back. It's been amazing to see. And the thing is, like, if you look at it in like, if you look at each game, you're like, the Oilers lost, the Oilers lost. Usually the story is Mike Smith, blah, blah, blah. But then you look at the way that Connor McDavid has played and it's just been, it. you know, he is even better than advertised and we already think he's the best player in the world currently playing right now. Uh, nobody yell at me about Kale McCarr or Sidney Crosby or whatever. Um, I, I just, the playoffs have been so much fun, but also not without their share of negative controversies. Yeah, uh, I, I want to touch a little bit on the Alber on the Battle of Alberta before we move into St. Louis and Colorado, which is the current hot topic around hockey Twitter. Mike Smith was better in game two, admittedly. Jacob Markstrom was not. I do not have the faith in Mike Smith to continue that because he is Mike Smith, unfortunately. Uh, someone pointed out that Connor McDavid has more goals and points so far in the playoffs than Sidney Crosby did the year he won the Conn Smythe. And my first thought to that is, Sidney Crosby played on a team that had more than one scoring line on that. So, of course, McDavid's going to have more points. The entire offense runs through him at this current point in time. He is still just, I don't say the term freak lightly. He's an absolute genetic marvel on the ice. He does things that I'm like, oh, there are three guys, and he gets through. It's he is a stunning treat to watch in that I am cheering for the Flames. We are cheering for the Flames in the series, not only because of our friend at Scorch Deck, but Tyler Toffoli, etc. And Connor McDavid is going to single-handedly drag the Oilers to some form of respectability, whether Mike Smith wants to or not. And I hope we get seven games of it because, one, we're going to get more incredible highlights. We're going to get a lot more stupidity, a lot more stupidity in this series. Because you know one of these games, I know game one was a mess at the end of it, but you know one of these games is going to turn into like that Penguins Flyers series from 2012 where they just beat the crap out of each other on the ice over and over and over again. 
And honestly, I can't wait. I, I, I am not a proponent of fighting and stuff in hockey, but every now and then I like to sit down and just watch a trash heap of a hockey game where there is very little actual hockey played and it's just nonsense. It is the most entertaining thing as a neutral fan. I personally, I, I want to remind our listeners also, not remind them, let them know that we are recording this on Sunday morning. So we don't, obviously, we're going to recap both Laval games in tomorrow's episode. Uh, but we right now uh, have are recording in the morning of Sunday. So our, we haven't had a game in Edmonton yet. Um, and I'm very excited to see Brady Kachuk in Edmonton. <laughs> I'm so excited to see what happens there. Um, and uh, I guess we're going to have to turn our attention now to the uh, the, the, the Blues-Av series, which admittedly, any series involving the Blues usually involves some sort of stupid controversy. But now it's 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 gone a little bit... Uh, it's gone... It literally gone off the ice. Yeah, so... I uh, I was out with uh, Carly and friends on Saturday night, so I was missing portions of this game. And when I woke up and looked at Twitter, like when I rolled over, because for some reason that's the first thing I did, there were a lot of people very mad at Nazem Kadri. And then I saw Jordan Bennington was injured, and I saw the play in which Kadri is going for a loose puck, and Kelly Rosen is battling with him. Rosen and Kadri fall towards the net. Kadri looks like he puts his arm up to shield himself as he falls into Jordan Bennington and his knee. Uh, Bennington did his best to try and stay in the game, but was uh, pulled uh, for Vili Husso. And uh, from what I understand, Jordan Bennington is likely to be out for a couple of weeks with a sprained knee. I don't believe there's any uh, discipline coming for Nazem Kadri. And post-game, Kadri was asked about the play. He is on air being interviewed at this time. And uh, Hockey Night in Canada retweeted the clip. You can hear... One to two water bottles hit the ground near Nazem Kadri while he's doing the interview, and he looks off the camera as he's finishing up, and he he says to him, I said, I think he just threw water bottles at me. And then it was confirmed by Peter Baugh that it uh, and two other people that Jordan Bennington did throw the water bottles at Nazem Kadri after the game. And I know Nazem Kadri has a reputation and a history for doing things when he was a Toronto Maple Leaf. He got suspended with the Avs as well, I believe. I don't believe this was a malicious play. I think it's a freak accident, and people are going to blame Kadri because he has a disciplinary record. This is not a thing I think you can blame him for. It's an accident. And Jordan Bennington's reaction is childish and much worse than Kadri falling into him on the ice. And honestly, I, I I don't love it. I don't love Jordan Bennington as a player. He has a giant temper problem. And this is just, it's not the first time they've come together. Jordan Bennington swung his stick at Nazem Kadri at one point. Like, it's it's gross and it, it doesn't need to be Zapruder filmed. It's just stop it. It's a freak play and Bennington's reaction is entirely unnecessary. Here's the thing is that, you know, it, it, because it's sports, people kind of assign a lot of different emotions to it. But at the end of the day, when you're a hockey player, you're getting paid to play hockey. That is your job. Like how many people are there in all of our workplaces where you might not get along with the person, you might not even like the person. In fact, you may intensely dislike the person, but because you're a professional, 
you treat them with the same politeness, courtesy, respect, uh, and openness that you would with any other coworker that you do like or you are friends with that is on your quote unquote on your team, right? There are many people in your day-to-day -day life, not even at work, that maybe rub you the wrong way. Maybe you dislike them. Maybe you don't, maybe they're in your friend group. I don't know. But because you're an adult, you behave with them with the same respect. You don't have to spend any time with them other than that moment where you're working, where you're at the same party or whatever. But in those moments, you're not throwing things at them. Like, and that's the thing is that you can dislike Nazem Kadri. That's fine. You're allowed. Okay. I understand why. I personally am a big fan of his uh, for very many reasons, also because of Lebanese representation. But like he does things that are outside the line sometimes. That's completely understandable. He gets punished for them. And I get if you don't like them, but this was not one of those times. Like he literally, you're watching it like everybody's approving it. I've seen so many angles of this. It looks fine to me. It literally looks like a freak accident. So to throw a water bottle, you are being completely immature and like your temper, you need to control your temper. And if you're an adult, if you're a professional, if you're living in society today, you've got to learn to control your temper. Yeah, it, it's across the board. We don't know if there's more coming down. Obviously, we're recording this on Sunday morning. I assume something will probably not be done because it's the NHL and we know how that goes. But uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit. We will have more from the next round of the playoffs. The Rockets' first round of the playoffs starts uh, tonight at 7 p.m. So we will have an update on that on our uh, next episode. But first, uh, we got to talk about one of our new sponsors. And they are someone that I started taking every day because I wanted to feel better. I wanted to feel my best going to and from work or after work. And that's why I started taking Athletic Greens. They have 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. And this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things, everything your body could possibly need. Take it in the morning on my way to work. Helps get my day off right. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you're doing keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting great. And it supports better sleep quality and recovery, mental clarity and alertness. It's one thing with the best thing. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science and constant product iterations from third-party testing. It'll cost you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than getting cold brew, caffeine, anything else. And it's cheaper than buying all these different supplements somewhere else. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional source. It's got over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes and trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. There's no need for a million different pills or supplements. Look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so we're going to shift gears a little bit here from throwing water bottles to probably the most sane, reasonable take we've seen on anything recently. Arpin Basu of The Athletic, who is not a scout, he admits as much in his article. He is not a talent evaluator. He is not an amateur scout. 
He watched 15 games of Shane Wright, his 11 playoff games in the four at the end of the season to see what makes Shane Wright tick. He wrote down a, a very lengthy article. We highly recommend you read it. We'll probably, we will have it retweeted on the Lockdown Canadians feed I already here. have. I've retweeted it a couple of times. Laura's <laughs> on top of this. So, <laughs> and the thing about it is, as I'm reading this, he had categories broken up, good plays, bad plays, what he does with the puck, his shot, this and that. He said by the time he got done clipping 15 games, he had seven plays, only two of which were egregious that were in the bad plays category. And this is going to go back to our initial plea here is do not galaxy brain the first overall pick. You have to pick Shane Wright. And we'll get into Arpin's reasoning as he read through this. But Laura, I already felt confident enough in picking Shane Wright. And we've talked to scouts. We've talked to Tony Ferrari about this. We're going to have some other scouts here in the future to talk about Shane Wright and other picks. I look at this article from someone who is not a scout, who hasn't watched Shane Wright since he was 15 years old playing in, you know, whatever league he's in. He's a talented player, even if the flash and the sizzle isn't there. Shane Wright feels like a great fit for Martin St. Louis system. So here are a couple of things about this is that it's not, you know, we've been talking about this for since the Canadians won the first overall uh, position in the draft. Uh, And people are like, Shane Wright is not going to go first, or the Canadians shouldn't pick Shane Wright, or Logan Cooley is going to be better, or, uh, oh my god, Yuroslav, what's, I can't pronounce his name. Slavkovsky. Slavkovsky. Yes. Um, And it's literally because I keep reading different spellings of it, and it's making me crazy. Uh, But either way, or like people are like, oh, he's going to go fifth. It's in our comments, in our tweets, amongst each other, in fights we're not involved in. Everybody is galaxy braining this. And here's the thing about scouting is that a lot of it is luck. And people hate when I say this. I don't mean that scouting as a whole is not, uh, you know, is not a legitimate way to assess talent. But it is not an objective way to, be, to assess talent because a lot of people from scouting backgrounds are coming from different backgrounds. A person who used to be a defenseman is going to evaluate everybody on the ice differently. A person who used to be a goaltender is going to evaluate everybody. A person who has never played uh, is going to evaluate everybody differently. doesn't mean they're not legit. It's just It just means that there's little biases that creep into your, uh, into your experience, in your life experience, in your hockey playing experience. Somebody from analytics background is going to assess somebody differently. But what this player has in common is that most of the scouts, save for a couple of outliers, most of the scouts agree that he might not be far and away better than everybody else in this draft. But right now at this moment in time, he is better than everybody else available. I think that is so, so important to keep in mind. Maybe 10 years from now we look and the guy who went sixth overall is better than Shane Wright. We don't know that, right? The Canadians could screw up his development if they pick him, assuming they pick him. We don't know what's going to happen. Some first-rounders turn out to be busts. And there's a reason that the word generational is used for generational players is because they don't come around every year. There is not a generational player in every single draft because if there was, it wouldn't be called generational player. Like, people are going nuts about this. It's driving me insane. I, like, literally, I just, like, I want to throw my phone sometimes and that's just people I like talking, right? So for me, I just think that at this moment in time, there are a few scouts, yes, that say that Shane Wright might not turn out to be the best player. 
<laughs> they, you know, or or their assessment is that another player is going to have a better career. That's totally fair. I understand, you know, like, and, and nobody's saying he's a bad player. Just people are saying that he's not worthy of the first overall pick. So, and I'm not naming those scouts because I don't want pylons. I don't want, I don't want people from like, you know, people who follow or believe in what that scout says to, to start fighting with people who like, you know, are, are pro Shane Wright as the first round. I don't want to cause drama here because there is enough of it. This has been, we've had two weeks since the, 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 the Canadians won the, the draft lottery. We've had three years worth of discourse in these, in these two weeks. I think we all need to take a step back and you can be a devoted reader or fan of whoever's writing about Shane Wright. And maybe you like want to push their opinion more because you like that person. But in my mind, most of us, I'm I'm a podcaster. I watch hockey. I am not a scout. But what I do is I will take the word of people who have been scouting or the word of somebody like Arpin, who has been covering hockey for decades, right? He's been watching so many hockey games. Definitely a lot more than me because sometimes when the Habs are bad, I stop watching them. But um, he has an understanding of hockey. And he's taken legitimate video. Like, he's literally looked at evidence to have an assessment. And the whole point of his article was that it would not be a mistake to, to draft Shane Wright. The thing is, like, I, I, I think that he, admit, he admits where he's lacking. And at the same time, I still find his opinion credible, especially in that column, because he lays out his reasoning appropriately. It's not a gut feeling. It's not it's not just, you know, somebody I like said this, so I'm just going to like, you know, toot their horn. It's literally he's like, let me go do some homework and come back to you. And I love that. So for me, I think we need to stop arguing. We need to stop discoursing. I believe the Canadians will pick Shane Wright first, unless they have somebody else they like better, in which case they'll trade the first overall, which will be really fun. But I still think that, you know, based on the preponderance of evidence there is, now I'm starting to like sound like a TV show. They're going to pick Shane Wright and we need to stop galaxy braining this. Yeah. Like I, I look at Arpin's article here and I just want to touch on some of the points before we go into our final segment is he talks about his uh, Shane Wright shot, which is already NHL ready level, which is great. The Canadians could use something like that. I don't expect him to be a goal scorer right away at the NHL level, but I expect his shot to be a threatening thing. But he talks about his hockey IQ. He plays ahead of the puck. He is putting pucks where they need to be, not where they need to be right now. The, everything is a step in advance. And Martin saying that we talked about his concepts are, yeah, you can chip the puck out. That is the right play but I don't want you to make that play if you want to try something and there's something else available to you. And Shane Wright fits into that kind of thought. He is not a perfect player. There are no perfect hockey players in the NHL. Sidney Crosby might be as close as that comes in our generation. All due respect to McDavid and Matthews and everybody else, but no one is perfect. No one is without their flaws. And I look at Shane Wright and what the Canadians need and they need someone who reads the game at a modern level and well playing behind Nick Suzuki, who does that right now. And I go, we love what Nick Suzuki does with the puck on his stick and where he's always a step ahead. Why would you not want someone else like that? All due respect to Yaroslav Slavkovsky, who is a very good shooter and offensive player, but I'm going to take the guy that they need help down the middle right now. It's easier to find wingers or convert centers into wingers than it is to try and find an, a top six center at some point here in the future. So don't galaxy brain this, please. Like, do not galaxy brain the first overall pick. 
he's so good at what he does. And I know he's not flashy. He's not Connor Bedard. He's not Matey Mitchkov. That's fine. The Canadians don't necessarily need that right now. I would love Connor Bedard. Do not get me wrong. This is not me saying I don't want him. But I look at everything available here, and I am taking the guy that I know is going to be a solid NHL contributor. Because that's what the team needs. They need NHL bodies, and they need them right away while their young prospects work their way up through the system. They're not quite there yet. And we know we've spent this show and the previous show and every other show saying, don't galaxy brain the Canadians offseason and the first overall pick. We got a listener DM, and that is exactly what we are going to do coming up in our next segment. But first, as I said, today's show is brought to you by BetOnline.net. And our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can get all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, boxing, and UFC, even NFL futures right now. So BetOnline has everything you're going to need from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website, that's BetOnline.net today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action Bet online where the game starts. All right. So Laura and I both said, don't galaxy brain the offseason. Don't galaxy brain the Montreal Canadiens picking first overall. We got a, a listener DM from one of our good friends, Andrew G, who has been around for a long time since we've started this show. And I want to thank him for this because it allowed me to come up with this idea here on Sunday before the Rocket game. And this is the DM read verbatim. It's an idea I had last week based off your podcast. Galaxy Brain, all caps, Habs off season. And disclaimers, we do not think this is what's going to happen. We don't even know if it's tangible to make this happen. But here's the rundown of everything, and we will break it down bit by bit. The Habs draft Shane Wright. Sane, not galaxy-brained at all, unless you were one of the Slefkovsky people, which, whatever, we just talked about all of that. Second piece, the Habs acquire Philip Forsberg. Okay, spicy. I like it, though. It's doable. He is a free agent. Jeff Gordon went out and got Artemi Panarin in the Rangers rebuild, so why not? The uh, the groundwork is there for something like this. The Habs move Jeff Petrie, Yoel Armia, Paul Byron, and Mike Hoffman. There's a few names in there that I think could be moved. It frees up the cap space needed for re-signing players, getting Philip Forsberg and everything. And now the biggest part here is the Canadians trade Shea Weber's contract, Calgary's first round pick to Arizona for Jacob Chikrin. And then it just says instant success question mark. This would also involve Jesse Alonen and Raphael Harvey Pinard moving up as well. And I got to say three quarters of that is not totally galaxy braining it, depending on what your return is. The one sticking point for me on this is getting anything for Shea Weber's contract right now because the Canadians are not negotiating from a piece of strength here or a place of strength. They, they are not going to get anything for a contract they are looking to get out from under. But I look at all that and I go, yeah, that it's all tangible. I don't think they're going to get Philip Forsberg just because I don't think they're going to spend big money with unsure uh, carry price stuff and everything. But Laura... As much as that sounds galaxy brain, is it really? Well, here's the thing is that it's not insane. It's just improbable, right? So I get that it's a galaxy brain, but all the things have to go right, obviously. Like you have to convince Forsberg to sign here. You have to be able to get rid of all the contracts you mentioned, Armia, Hoffman, Petrie, uh, etc. 
I think uh, it's a safe bet with Elonen uh, and and um, and Rafael Harvey Pinard making the team next year. I mean, we've already been talking about it for the last few weeks that it's possible that they make the jump, especially if the Canadians trade away some contracts. Uh, for me, it's it's the Arizona trade that's the sticking point uh, because I think. While Shikrin is underrated in general overall, I think Arizona knows what they have in him. And that's the big key is that if I'm Arizona, I'm asking for the moon. And especially if I'm Arizona and I might be able to take on your cap space, which I don't even know if they can now because they just keep taking on everybody's money laundering, money laundering. Oh, oh they absolutely can. They have, right, there you they're go. not going to hit the cap floor because like Phil Kessel's contract and other stuff is expiring. So they have to hit the cap go. floor somehow. Like, yeah. Yeah, so it's entirely possible right now that they could do it. It's just that Arizona would ask for a whole lot. And then I wouldn't blame them. So, like, if, if there's a team that's, like, at the bottom of the standings and another team that's likely to be at the bottom of the standings unless all of these moves work out, like, you 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 want to get their picks because you don't want them to rebuild at the same time as you more successfully, right? So, like... The, the Coyotes would ask for picks from the Canadians that the, the Canadians currently need because they're trying to build from within. So I don't, I don't necessarily see it happening, but it's not impossible is the big thing. Scott, you are wide-eyed. What's going on here? What did you discover? I'm looking at Arizona's cap friendly right now. Uh, they finished the year with $5 million in cap space already. And then going into this offseason, Phil Kessel's $6.8 million will be off the books. Louis Erickson's $6 million will be off the book. Antoine Roussel's $3 million will be off the books. Jay Beagle's $3 million will be off the books. Anton Strauman's $5.5 million will be off the books. And that doesn't include guys who are on long-term injured reserve. Dimitri Askins, $3.2 million will be off uh, the books as well. Uh, they str- And they're also going to lose uh, Michael Grabner's buyout. Uh, Johan Larson has retained salary. Darcy Kemper retained salary. It's all going. They're in, in tough here. Where is the thing that their, their cap hit as of right now for next year is set to be at $48 million. They're going to need some cap. They, yeah, they, they will have $33 million in cap space going into the off season. Obviously they're going to re-sign some players, you know, to bigger deals or whatnot that are RFAs and everything, but they, they're going to, the Shea Weber's contract is going there. If it goes anywhere else, I'm going to be stunned. But the hard part about this is that when you take on a contract that a team doesn't want, cause they're not going to play you don't get much in return. Maybe the Canadians take on one of those expensive longer term deals that that Arizona might want to shed as a way to like, you're taking this, you get this for a year and we get Shea Weber's contract to help hit the cap floor while we're in this 7-Eleven parking lot in Arizona State. Like it's, it's wild to me that this even exists, but all things considered, Philip Forsberg might, I, we're assuming Weber's contract is going to get traded, and we don't think he's going to get much for it. I'm very interested to see where Philip Forsberg goes. I think he'll be back in Nashville. However, I would love Philip Forsberg in as a Canadian because then you have Suzuki, Forsberg, Wright, Evans, Paling. Like that's that's uh, you can trade Christian Dvorak then at that point if you wanted to because I assume there is interest from some team around there. I am I am fascinated about what's going to occur next. And Andrew, I want to thank you for doing this because now this is going to bounce around in my head a lot because it's not it's it's a little bit crazy, 
but it's not that so far removed from reality that it's not possible to happen. Like, honestly, uh, Laura, I, did you have any parting thoughts? No, I just, uh, just would say that if all of those things work out, or even if three quarters of them work out, the Canadians rebuild is, is sped up by like a year and a half at least. Yeah. Like you, 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 I don't want to say you jump the line, but you do a little bit. Are they going to be great right away? They need defensive help. Probably not. But at the same time, it it's, it speeds things up. I do think they're going to look at all possibilities here. We've heard them say, yes, we'd like to look at, you know, a big free agent. Maybe we won't. It all depends on, you know, Carey Price, which Andrew did add to his, uh, ad, he did add that as a PS on the, when I was answering his DM about that. So who knows? It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of crazy things happening here. So that is going to wrap up our show. Coming up this week, we're going to talk about the Rockets playoff performances, more NHL playoff stuff and so many other things. There's plenty happening around the Canadians' world nowadays. As always, thank you for making us your first listen or watch of the day. You can find us on YouTube. We're trying to hit 1,000 subscribers before the draft. We're getting closer and closer to that every single day. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Follow Laura at The Active Stick. Follow myself at Scott Matline. Please, when you're done checking us out, check out Lockdown NHL. Daily Show is all the clips and hits that you need from all of our local experts. Absolutely great playoff coverage to help round out your day. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you all next time.